I'll try not to be too far from you. And, uh, I know it's, but I can just tell. I wander forward, as you know, so, okay. Well, the Lord has given us a beautiful day, and uh, I hope it was an encouraging day for you, whatever, whatever you did. So, it's hard to believe this time has already evaporated. It's amazing to me how time flies. I used to think, you know, I'd watch our little grandsons or grandkids growing. You know, oh, they're four, you know, but I forgot I'm four years older. <laughs> I'm thinking, this is not quite working out right anyway. But uh, anyway, it's amazing. It won't be too long, you know, and, and David mentioned this this morning. It won't, soon, soon will be with the Lord. And uh, that, that's such a hope, isn't it? Such a great thing. And I, I just want to encourage, you know, your outreach to lost people, your ministry to children. Just, I just want to encourage you. Yes, Lord, that's great, wonderful. May the Lord, may He just protect and bless and continue to use you for His glory. I think it's just wonderful. So just be encouraged in the Lord. And uh, uh, I, I, I pray for you guys, and I, I'm sure some of you pray for us, and I, I pray for our ministry, the Lord, the, in, Edmund, in Edmondson Heights, the Lord will protect us and guide us. And I pray basically the same for you, you, that the Lord will guide and guard and direct and use you for his glory and honor. So anyway, be encouraged, and I thank the Lord you're an encouragement to us. So anyway, let's just ask God. Father, we're, we're thankful that we're here. Uh, it's just good to be in your family. And we know your family's all around the world, but it's, it's, a, it's a treat to be with your family here. And I thank you for each one. I thank you for this ministry. I thank you for each one involved in their in their giving of themselves and being allowing you to use them and work in and through them. May that just continue to be. May you continue to protect this ministry and use it wonderfully and widely. And may many more come to faith and may the little ones come to know you. And may it just be a wonderful time in a, in a world that's rocking and shaking. May you give us safety and blessing and may we just please you until we're with you. And we know that only you can cause, you can make that happen. So we just lean heavy on you for that. And we also lean heavy on you for just our time tonight, that it might uh, just be used of you, just accomplish your will, uh, just bring about your results. Uh, you know what we need, and, and it's amazing how we can go to a portion of God's word, and it does plug into our need. It does meet us, not, not because of the speaker, but because of the spirit and your word. And so we just depend, we lean heavy on you for help as, as we share your word right now. In Christ's name, amen. We know we live in a world that's so impressed with people who are outstanding. And people are, there are some, you know, you think of some athletes, it's amazing. I just, it's just it's like, whoa, how did, how did you do that? That was impossible, how did you do that? And then you have athletes who you know were amazing in the past, and now you have new athletes that are beating the records, you know, uh, that have already been made. So you know we're we're impressed. I was asking myself, how impressed am I with God? Now that may seem almost a theologically incorrect statement, <laughs> but you know we get so impressed with an athlete or a, a singer or something that someone has done. 
And I think sometimes we're not that impressed with God. We, we, we don't give him the adoration he deserves. You know, we see in this psalm, and we come to the, last, the third chorus of this psalm, you know, we're to praise him. Remember, it, it, it's, it's encompassed by praise the Lord and praise the Lord, the two, the two bookends of this, of this psalm, Psalms 147. And it begins, Warren Wiersbe uh, had this title, Praise the Lord, Sing to the Lord, and then the one we, we come to tonight, Extol the Lord, Extol the Lord, Lift Him up high. And we want to do that. We want, you know, it's so easy for us to talk about words, but may God work in our hearts and may it be a response of our hearts to Him. So let's, let's just look at the, the latter part of this song and see uh, what the Lord would, would want to uh, focus our attention on. As we, this third round of praise, as, as one commentator has stated it. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Now remember, this is all about God has reestablished Jerusalem. It's, it's an amazing, miraculous event. And uh, I might just say this, and you know this already, but Israel is a miracle that they still are a people who exist. Especially when we think of all the enemies uh, of Israel who have tried to extinguish this nation, this people. So it truly is amazing. It's amazing in this psalm, and it's amazing even now. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your sons within you. He makes peace in your borders. He satisfies you with the finest of the wheat. He sends forth his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters the frost like ashes. He casts forth his ice as fragments. Who can stand before his cold? <laughs> he sends forth his word and melts them. He causes his wind to blow and the waters flow. Verse 19. He declares his words to Jacob, his statutes and his ordinances to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any nation, and as for his ordinances, they have not known them. Praise the Lord. It's an interesting last statement, isn't it? Now let's just reflect and ponder. Now when it says, praise the Lord, O Jerusalem, praise your Lord, O Zion, it's just another word for Jerusalem, Zion. And, and we praise him, there's so many things to praise him for, but this people had so much to praise him for because they had seen the devastation, God's returned them to the land, and it's so appropriate, but we have so many reasons to praise the Lord ourselves. Just, just to be able to, yesterday, of course, one of my favorite places, I mean, I love Nova Scotia, all of it, just, or so many parts of it, you know, but just, I just thought, I gotta get out to the coast before I leave, because I hadn't really been there yet. And so I went out to Lawrencetown, and I, was, I wasn't there very long, but just to see the water, just to see the water, you know, it was a relatively calm, uh, the wind wasn't harsh, uh, the water was beautiful, the clouds were beautiful. But there's a lot of facets about that. God put the ocean there, and, and it's rolling, rolling, rolling in, but it just keeps rolling, it's been rolling in since the last time I saw it, last year, it just keeps it coming. But you know, the other side of it is that God gave me the sight to see it. I just, it just, thank you God, thank you. Just, it just, you know, you almost, you, when I was up, uh, uh, I, was, I went up at the high peak behind that, that restaurant, 
And uh, you know, you almost wanted to just sit there and just praise the Lord, right? But these guys were flying planes around. I thought, well, they may not understand what's going on. So, but it was just such a, a glorious moment. And I know some of you did some hiking today. And you just say, God, wow, what a wonderful, wonderful world you've made. And I know a lot of places are not, you know, there's a lot of sad things because of sin, but what a, what a wonderful thing. We have so many things to thank him for. We thank him for the many blessings he has given us in the midst of all the other things. Praise him, praise him. And I so appreciate the music that has been sung both uh, this morning and this evening and of course last week as well. But notice he goes on and he gives reasons for this particular praise. Verse 13, for he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your sons within you. Now again, the reason that these people at this time were called to praise the Lord is because they were rebuilding the walls and the city was increasingly being protected. That was their form of defense and safety. Uh, we'll not turn there, but just a little, a little verse that coincides with the same time period. Nehemiah 3, it says, they built the fish gate, which sounds just kind of a nickname gate, I guess. I don't know. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. Well, you know, it's a big deal. You know, we think, if you think at night, most of us lock our houses at night. And if you don't, you probably should, <laughs> right? It's just, it's just the world we live in. And so these were the gates of the city to protect the people. And notice the Lord not only had allowed them to rebuild the walls, but he was providing for the people. And it says in verse 13 again, he has blessed your sons within you. He has blessed your sons within you, in, within, within these walls. Now, God wants to bless his kids. Um, and in our world, as we know, we just, just sitting here in this building is part of God's blessing. He blesses us in this life, uh, and, but the, the big blessings await that soon when we're with the Lord. Uh, we, as we said this morning, we have all spiritual blessings. And of course, we always, we always have to be careful in, in interpreting scripture. When we're looking here, uh, we're, we're thinking of Israel. And just to be clear, and you know this, but Israel is not the church. The church is not Israel. But God has principles, and these principles, we, we see principles in the Old Testament, and some of those principles have real close application to the church in the New Testament. So we just, but blessing is one of them. He's blessed us, and in many, many ways. Not with what they exactly had, and Israel will be blessed in the millennial kingdom. They'll be blessed in a very unique way. Um, and, and God's promises to Israel will be fulfilled. But in this case, it's a blessing. But application of that is God has blessed us and he's going to bless us. He wants to bless us. He cares about us. He's, he's that, kind of, that kind of God and that kind of Father. I was, I was thinking of, of this verse and I'll uh, just read one passage or various passages we could look to. But this one is in Matthew, and I'm going to read Matthew 7, and just, just for time frame, it's, it, you know this, and I'll, I'll, I'll read parts of it. Matthew 7, verse 7, and then I'll drop down quickly. At, verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. 
Or what man is there among you who, when he, his son asks for a, a, a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will give him a snake? If, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? God blesses us, right? We need to pray more. It's a reminder, right? This is the context of prayer. Ask and God will. And we know it's within His will, but with asking God, within God's will and getting God's best, God gives what is best. We don't want, really, we think sometimes we want what we want, but if it's not God's will, we don't want it. But God gives His kids what is good for them. And, and so he blessed them, he blesses us. And we have much to be thankful for. And just, you know, probably we need to remind ourselves more and more. Marty has a little jar and, uh, and, and, some, and she has these little stones. Well, I didn't know what this jar was all about. <laughs> so anyway, these little stones. And Marty has written on some of the things that she's thankful for and she'll write, put it on a stone and put it in the jar, right? And, uh, and so, she, I don't know if you want to do that, but that's what she's done. Just a reminder, a reminder how God is blessed, what we are thankful for. And so we need to be a people who are thankful in the midst. Yeah, I know there are things that we don't like, things we wouldn't want if we could get rid of them. But there are many, many things to be thankful for. The Lord provides and satisfies his people. And notice this. He provides them not only a place of safety. Notice he says, he makes peace in your borders. He makes peace in your borders. Warren Wiersbe again writes, peaceful borders, strong walls, locked gates, it adds up to safety and security. You know, I can't imagine. And there, when we have our prayer, prayer time uh, at Edmonds on a Wednesday, uh, one of the men especially, when we're having prayer time and just you know, talking to the Lord and as a group, but he often thanks the Lord for the land in which we live. Uh, you know, we know Canada's not perfect, but thank the Lord we live in a, a place at this point where we have peace. I can't imagine living in the Middle East and where, you know, you're, you're hiding, you're running, uh, you're wondering what will happen the next day, I, you know, and some of these dear, 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 dear people who are suffering so much. Um, but, but they were thankful for the peace that they experienced. And so should we be, Right? And thank, thank you, God. So we, we have peace, but also we have provision. You see that in the plus? He gives, he gives grain. He gives grain to his people. He provides for them. Uh, he satisfies with the finest wheat. As it says, he satisfies with this. You know, and obviously it's talking about quality of, uh, of food. And uh, he, gives, he gives his kids these benefits. So not only safety, but... Uh, Supply, he's talking. So thank the Lord, thank the Lord, and he remind. And all of this reminds us of God's loving kindness, and that's one of the words that is highlighted throughout the scriptures, throughout the Old Testament. And uh, Chesed is a term. It's a it's a wonderful, wonderful word, and uh, it was especially uniquely applied to Israel, God's loving kindness for this people, but also by application, it's God's love that will not let us down. It will not abandon us. I remember one time it was, I, I had done uh, a message on love, and uh, a, a lady came up to me, and she, I know, I know her and her husband, were, and we're, they, I, they're in another community, so, 
but we're still friends and had, you know, I've been in their home and that. But she said to me, she said, I just don't feel loved. And she, this lady is a Christian and, and she's a dear person. And, and I thought, and I just thought that was, you know, I, I don't know all that brought that feeling about why she has that sense. But we need to remind ourselves that we are loved by God. We are loved by God. Not only just to get saved, but for the whole journey. And uh, it, it's one thing God wants to impress upon us. It's something you have to hold by faith. You see it in the Word, you hold it by faith. God loves me. Even when life is tough, even when it hurts, God loves me. And, and so we need to be reminded of this. And this passage is, these people knew God's loving, His unfailing love. The NIV translates chesed in that way, and I think that's a great translation. Unfailing love. Now notice he goes on. Verse 15, he sends forth his command to the earth. His word runs very swiftly. Now the word here is his command, his sovereign command over nature. When the, one, one commentator stated, when the sovereign Lord speaks, his word is effective. He orders and ordains everything in his created order. Scroggy, uh, Graham Scroggy, Scroggy, I think was the way it was pronounced, um, made this comment, behind all natural phenomena is God. Another writes, William MacDonald, as you probably have read some of his writings, when he sends out his orders, they produce prompt and dramatic results. I, will, I think I know part of the question you're thinking about, and we'll talk about it in just a moment. But notice it says in verse 16. Now, if you're in Canada, you may not always be excited about this statement, but verse 16, he gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He casts forth his ice as fragments. That's kind of the part I struggle with a little bit, right? <laughs> I think you're driving down the road. And, uh, you put a lot of ice on this road, God. <laughs> you know, but he, he's, God's in control of that. Who can stand before his cold? So, I can't remember who we were talking about, cold. And uh, we, one of you told me, or somebody when I've been here said, they got so cold and they just couldn't warm up. They couldn't warm up. Well, God, God actually brings cold. And uh, he's in charge of the weather. God is the, not only the weather man, he is the, the sovereign over weather. God is, that is how big he is, how great he is. He controls the elements. The ice and the cold. I, I'm going to read just a few verses. and I'll, it, They're in Job 37. Um, and it, it's amazing the insight that God had on these early, early individuals. Uh, Job, probably the oldest book in the Bible. Job 37, verse 5. God thunders with his voice wondrously, doing great things which we cannot comprehend. Now remember, there's two components in our psalm. God's loving kindness, God's greatness. And this is in the category here of God's greatness. And that's what uh, Job is referring to. Doing great things which he cannot comprehend. Verse 6. For to the snow, he says, fall on the earth. And to the downpour and the rain, be strong. <laughs> we have had, of course, we have nothing compared to what's happened around the world. But this last year, we had rain, rain, rain. It's a little unusual in our part in Ontario. Yeah, but God said it was time to have lots of rain. And then if you drop down Job 37, 9. Out of the south comes the storm. Out of the north, the cold. From the breath of God, ice is made, and the expanse of waters is frozen. And I'm just dropped down to verse 13. Talk about these different things God does. Uh, 
Weather for correction. Sometimes God brings weather for correction. Now, I don't think we, in our human limitations, can, you know, we can't judge, well, they got this because of that. But that is the reason at times. God does that at times. He, whether for correction or for the, his world or for loving kindness. He does it for loving kindness. Again, that's our word, chesed. He causes it to happen. Listen to this, O Job. Stand and consider the wonders of God. The wonders of God. And these are, these are truly our wonders. He not only sends the winter, he also uh, sends the spring and summer when the ice melts. Note verse 18. He sends forth his word. Now this is his sovereign word over creation. And melts them. He causes his wind to blow and the waters to flow. It's a wonderful thing when, when spring comes and you see the change and, and things begin moving into that season and, and the waters of the, uh, that have been frozen begin to flow. One writes, all this the psalmist says is due to God. He knew nothing about what we call secondary causes, but believed that God acted directly upon matter and was the immediate efficient cause of the solemn order and the varied and wonderful phenomena of nature. And again, we go back. God in his greatness and loving kindness controls nature for man's good. Now the question, and I thought this has to, you have to think about this, is but what about all these natural disasters that we have and are seeing? You know, the unbeliever will point its finger at a Christian and point its finger uh, at us and, and say, well, God, how, you know, how could you ever do this? I thought Lutzer has a little book, Erwin Lutzer, Where Was God? Of course, trying to deal with this, and this was before uh, the recent uh, hurricanes, but I thought it was, it was insightful, and I thought I would just read two quotes from his, his book. Natural disasters might drive some people away from God, but for others, it has the opposite effect, driving them into the arms of Jesus. The destruction of nature has helped them distinguish the temporary from the permanent. Disasters remind the living that tomorrow is uncertain, so we must prepare for eternity today. Today is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. In, in natural disasters, one thing God is doing, which I, I'm sure there's more than one thing, but one thing is trying to remind people this world is temporary. You need to deal with, you need to deal with eternity. Think about eternity, eternal things. And Lutzer says this, when disasters come, God is not on trial, we are. I thought that was a pretty interesting statement. You know, we want to blame God and, you know, and, and some people obviously do. And, and on the other side, we want to be careful. If somebody is, has lost their home, we want to be sensitive and caring and, and compassionate. We're not talking about being harsh and careless and cruel. But if, if somebody comes to Christ as a result of disaster, isn't that far better to enjoy eternity even though you've struggled in time? Then Lutzer makes this statement. And this is one more quote, and then I'll, I'll go on. Earthquakes and hurricanes vividly remind us that life is short, and the triumph of God over this world is certain. 
There is a time coming when everything that has been nailed down will be torn up. And in the final judgment, the whole earth will be destroyed and recreated by God. Then only what is eternal will remain. Tragedies teach us to hold on to Christ tightly and everything else loosely. And I think that, you know, it's so easy to grab on. Uh, and, you know, I'm thankful God has given us all things to enjoy. I appreciate that. I thank the Lord for that passage and that He's given us in Scripture. God thinks it gives us all things. Yeah, but those things, even the things He's given us to enjoy, are, 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 are one day going to be gone. They're going to be gone. And so we don't want to hold on tightly to them. We want to hold on tightly to Him, to the eternal, to the awesome God of the universe. That's what makes everything, that's what makes everything worthwhile. And I, I thought about this more and more in time as I just kind of watch where our culture's going. And uh, I, was in, I was in Dallas, oh, in February, I guess, I was there. And I was saying this to somebody, and I was driving, I was riding with our oldest son, and we were, we were driving down wherever in northern Dallas. And it's, it's, I know there's all kinds of pockets in Dallas, you know, very poor, and, but this is a very rich area. And uh, I was saying to somebody, we were driving along and I see a fancy car and I think, whoa, that is the most fancy car I've ever seen. And then I'm going, we're going along just a little bit and maybe four cars later, a car, I th that's, the, that's the most fanciest car I've ever seen. They're getting better as they're driving by faster, right? And, you, and then you go by and you see this big building, you know, like, whoa. And what I'm thinking is this, it would be so easy for me to get so entangled in that kind of mindset of the word. It, things are everything, but they're only time-bound things. And I thought, I have to guard my heart. I have to guard my heart because it is so glitzy. And I can see, you know, my heart, I was more sensitive to people who live in Dallas, I think. Of course, you don't have to live in Dallas to be, you know, love things. But I thought, boy, it's a temptation. But see, God says, no, 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 no. Hold on to me through my son. It makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. And, and God has to remind us, uh, has to remind me on a regular basis to, to, to remember that he's what life is all about. God controls nature. He has a purpose. We don't always understand why there's certain things happen, but he's in control for a bigger purpose than we can grasp oftentimes. Now, there's another component in our psalm, and I want to refer to that because there's two, there's two elements that we see. We see God's word in nature, and we see God's word of revelation. And this, if you, if you pick up in verse 19, is somewhat of a different uh, subject within our, our passage. Verse 19, he declares his words to Jacob, his statutes and his ordinances to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any nation, and as for his ordinances, they have not known them. That's interesting. The law, the Old Testament, was uniquely given to Israel. They... they God entrusted it to them. Now, God has entrusted nature to all men. It's, it's, it's wonderful, you know, we're, we're participants in, in God's, God's sovereign word as he controls the world around us. 
that we're a part of that. We participate in that. But God uniquely entrusted his word initially to Israel, to the Jewish people. Now, just think of this passage, in, and this is in conjunction with what we're seeing here, God's words. If, you know, if you want to turn there, but I'm going to read this passage in Romans. Romans 3, and uh, verses 1 and 2. What, what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the benefit of circumcision? And then it says this, verse 2, Romans 3, 2. Great in every respect. Isn't that interesting? Great in every respect. First, and I thought this caught my attention this afternoon as I was reflecting on this. First of all, so this is, this is a priority. First of all, they, have entrusted, they have, were entrusted with the oracles of God. They were entrusted with the oracles of God. One of the big deals was that God gave Israel his word. You know, his word, this, this book we have in our hands is so unique. One, one reminds us, there's no book in the world like it. It covers the period 1,600 years, uh, approximately beginning in 1500 B.C., and then it went all the way to A.D. 100. So it, it, this amazing book written over all this period of time. I mean, think, what, what other book do you have like that? The, you know, the author kept writing through the author's to give this to us, the author God himself. And given, written by approximately 40 different men, 40 different individuals, various walks of life. But, it, but yet, Jewish, a Jewish book. Now, I just wanna just highlight several things. The, the Jew, and again, I quote, Jewish scribes were meticulous in copying the Hebrew text and counted every letter they wrote if a mistake was made, the text was not corrected. It was immediately discarded. What, what they would do, if, let's say they, on the, they would write uh, their Hebrew and, and they would write it down on, a, on parchment or an animal skin. They'd write it down and, uh, and then they would count the letters. That's how they would, they would count the letter and they knew which letter was in the middle of, of what should be on that page. So they count, 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 count. And then if they counted it and something was a little off and there was a mistake on that page, instead of correcting it, they would just toss it and destroy it. And then they would start all over again to make sure, this is in the copying of, the, of, these, of, of our Old Testament Bible. So I'm very thankful that the Jewish people were meticulous Meticulous. I mean, you've made too many mistakes. I imagine you lost your job, right? Meticulous. So, so, they, so what that means for us is that we have such an accurate Old Testament. Such an accurate Old Testament. But the New Testament is equally uh, accurate. And I, I just wanted to quote this. I'm, I'm reading a little bit out of an older article from Israel, My Glory. He makes this observation. The New Testament has not only survived in more manuscripts than any other book from antiquity, but it has survived in a much purer form than any other great book, a form that is over 99% pure. 
Now, how can they say that? Well, one of the things that's amazing about New Testament is that you have, you have manuscripts that are found. Now, they're not always full manuscripts, but some are full manuscripts of all the New Testament, but they'll find the, you know, some of these copies of the original Greek text of these books, and then they'll be able to compare. Well, I, the last number, and I, it, it, I'm pretty sure it's bumped up, but I remember one time they had 5,000 different manuscripts of just the New Testament. So now not all of them were not every facet of the New Testament, but you had 5,000. And I think, and I might be misremembering, but I, I know the number keeps going up because they keep discovering manuscripts, right? They keep discovering manuscripts. So they, it just keeps going up and up of all the manuscripts they have. There's no other ancient text like the New Testament as far as manuscripts available. But what it does, it allows them to compare. So they can compare. And if they have a little bit of a, let's say you have one letter that wasn't quite in your, it, it, one text has it a little different than the other. Well, they've got all these other ones to compare with. So they can say, oh yeah, I see what happened. I see they made, the scribe made a little mistake here because you have so much to compare with. You can go back to it. So it is so much, like he said, the, the writer there said, it's 99% pure. I mean, it's amazing. You know, people say, oh, the book, you know, it's just a bunch of man-made stuff. No, no, no. It's a, ah, it's a very, very accurate book, exceeding 99%. So we can trust our Bibles. Now, there's a little difference in, in translation. You know, you have one version, another person has another version. But that's, that, that gives us access to, and you can see, sometimes what it is, is it gives you a little bit of understanding difference and stuff. But we have such a wonderful, wonderful New Testament. And we have an awesome Bible. And I was, I was saying, this is what God is saying is, I control, my word controls nature. I control nature. But I have given you words of revelation. And, and that's why you can trust me. You can trust me in my loving kindness. You can trust me in my greatness. You can trust me. I was, I was thinking, you know, the, the Bible, the Bible. And, I, and I, uh, you have your Bible now, I, I know. I, I'm lost in the old world. I just have a leather cover. Most of you have, it's on your phone, you know, and you're, you got your phone, and I understand. I know I'm ancient. I'm a caveman. That, I, I, I just came out for the evening. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I got, I got my Bible, right? And, and it's, it's, it's so wonderful to have this book. Now, I was thinking about this. I think I'm going to try to come down there. I'm going to close. Um, when my dad... Who, who I love very much, and my mom. But mom was the one that always wrote the letters, you know, wrote the notes. And, uh, and dad, dad was a dad, you know, kind of like me, you know. Let mom write the note. Well, I don't have, I have, I have some stuff from my mom that she wrote. And of course, both of them were with the Lord. But I have very few things that my dad wrote. I have, uh, this is encouragement for you dads, write a note or two to your kids, right? Before you're old and gone or can't read or whatever. But anyway, write, but anyway, I don't have very many things. I have a few signatures of dad. I think, I think I have one or two letters. And if he wrote a letter, it was pretty short, right? He was just a guy, just like me, right? But anyway, very few. But I was thinking, okay, so these are a treasure to me, right? My dad, I've got my dad's signature, and, and it's in the, the Bible that he had. That's a big deal to me. That's, a, that's something that means something to me. 
But just think of it this. Think of this. Our Heavenly Father has not just written a little note. He's, he's given us a whole book. Isn't that awesome? He loves us, and in His greatness, He's communicated with us. And so we say, God, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I, I think as, as, as we kind of come to the end of the psalm, you know, God in His greatness and His loving kindness, He reveals Himself in creation, and He's revealed Himself in His Word. May we trust Him, draw close to Him, walk with Him until we're with Him. Let's pray. God, we thank You that You love us. We thank You that You've given us. You, you, you love us, we see it in the world around us. What a beautiful place to see how You love us. And not just the believers, but everyone. But Father, most importantly, You love us in sending Your Son for us, and then You've given Your Word to us. May we be a people who draw near to you through your book. And remember, it's a statement of your greatness and your loving kindness. And may we trust you and walk with, we, with you until we're in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.